And now, Podtendo presents the Final Fantasy VII Retrospective, where we are going to do a deep dive into characters, thematical elements, and the plot. Please enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Podtendo's Final Fantasy VII Retrospective Part 1. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, I think we've been talking about doing this show for a couple months now. Uh, We've just got into it. I'm really excited. Uh, It's bringing back a lot of fun nostalgia. Uh, This was a very big seminal game experience in my childhood. Uh, So yeah, pretty excited to kind of get into it, dive through it a little bit with my co-host. I mean, I I guess I should say I'm Mick. I'm joined every episode by my lovely co-host, Tyson. Nice. Welcome to the podcast, Tyson. I mean, you've always been here, but welcome. Yes, yes. Good to be here. Nice, nice. I don't know. Maybe maybe the next episode we'll have like a real write-up or something like that. It's weird. These kind of replace our side quest cinemas. So if you are a fan and you're listening along, uh, we do numbered shows, which are kind of very structured uh review old video games then we were doing uh movie reviews for a while kind of uh every other show this year however we're doing a big deep dive into the great game that is final fantasy 7 so it's pretty exciting stuff you know very exciting this is uh this game uh is pretty legendary and uh yeah i don't know we have a really good memory with it and kind of jump-started a deep passion for video games so this is a this is a big one Sweet, sweet, yo. So the way this is going to work, uh, we haven't bro- broken up. I'm not going to go through and talk, tell you. Uh, uh, we're going to do some character studies. So we have a character study coming at you today. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a playthrough. So our uh, Let's Play level notes is going to be in here. Uh, we're going to start with a Wayback Machine. So just look at kind of what the cultural landscape looked like in the year that this came out. Uh, but then other weeks, like next episode, we'll be giving you the development details. We'll talk a little bit more about the backstory. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the themes that come up in this game, right? Uh, love, loss, death identity um i think and that's kind of how our our structure is going to go so hopefully you have a lot of fun listening to this um i don't know if you'll have as much fun as i had replaying through this game because i had a blast you know spoilers i had a blast yeah i have i think this is i've tried to like i've replayed this game a few times but this is definitely the most enjoyable replay that i've had and i don't know why like i'm kind of putting some pressure on myself but not really i think it's um I think it's just like how we're playing it. So okay. this is this is definitely the best modern way to play this uh, retro game. Cool. Yo, so without further ado, I think we should just get right into it, you know, instead of spending too much time off the top talking, but that's kind of our groundscape. So what do we, we're normally a let's play review retrospective cultural impact show. So I think we're going to dive into all of those things today. So starting off again, like I said, with Final Fantasy VII. It was developed by Square sales of this game within three days of its release it had sold two million copies in japan and as of 2019 it has sold 12.3 million units worldwide the release date was january 31st 1997 how long to beat has this game at 37 hours price at release was 49.99 and if you factored in inflation that would be 75 dollars and 35 cents ebay price you can get a copy of this for about 40 dollars and uh, on eShop, you can get this at from about 
$10 some places and $20 other places. Uh, the digital copy does come with a lot of extra fun little features too, so probably worth checking out, you know? Yeah, um, and some of those little baked-in extra features are so just like creature comforts so you don't it it just speeds up modernizes the game so it's a little bit easier and more approachable for just a pick up and go experience as opposed to a grinding adventure so it kind of you can play it both ways but it's nice to have the option to play it a little bit lighter Nice, sweet, yo. But as we're kind of getting back into it, uh, like Tyson said, he's not sure why he had so much fun playing this game. Maybe it's about the time that this game came out and what it reminds him of. So let's jump into our patented Wayback Machine. We're going to travel back to January 31st, 1997, and we're going to look at what did that time look like. Maybe if we want to live there. So we're going to start up asking Tyson, what is your favorite show? Could it be The Simpsons, Season 8, Episode 11, The Twisted World of Marge Simpson? After a falling out with her investment club, Marge starts a pretzel franchise or south park season one episode one cartman gets an anal probe we meet the boys for the first time and cartman uses an alien device to help kyle find his missing brother hmm Hmm. now see this is this is why we go and, and do the wayback machine because this is very enlightening for me to think that when i was playing final fantasy 7 we were almost at like the peak of simpsons like yep. we're like right right near the apex um where it's like such like twisted world of marge simpson like the pretzel this is such a memorable like episode i can almost replay the entire episode and know all the jokes because they're so memorable like this is a yeah. very very strong episode for the simpsons and then you put it up against my like second or first favorite compared ar- arguably like other animated show in south park yep. and uh i've rewatched a lot of the earlier seasons and even matt and trey say that they're a little bit of a mixed bag and they didn't really yeah. know what they were doing um however carpent gets an anal probe started it off so i kind of have to give it its due even though this simpson episode is crazy strong um but i have to go with south park just because it's the first one and maybe i for sure didn't watch this when it first came out but yeah it um because this took off I still get to enjoy it today. Nice. All right. So good job, South Park. I'm going down to South Park, gonna have myself a time. Friendly faces everywhere, humble folks without temptation. Going down to South Park, gonna leave my wolves behind. Ample parking day or night, people spouting party neighbors. And on up South Park, gonna see if I can't unwind. Nice South Park for the win, you know? Oh, yeah, so good, so good, but Sweet. um, strong runner-up. That one, like, had that gone against not South Park, it probably would have won, so. Nice. Uh, you know, I'm a manipulative asshole, so I try to uh, uh, maybe make Tyson pick, have tough choices on this one, you know? There you go. And I swore right off the surface. We're, we're explicit, so hopefully no kids are listening to this. Sorry. Uh, other top TV shows you could be watching are Friends, ER, X-Files, Just Shoot Me, Buffy, and Seinfeld. But maybe you're like, psh grown-up shows i don't want those i'm a kid i like cartoons the cartoons that came out this year were 101 dalmatians the angry beavers daria johnny bravo extreme ghostbusters recess and pepper ann Ooh, like angry beavers is so good um johnny bravo i remember like just 
not liking it at first, but then like once I kind of got it and it, was <laughs> it grows it was on maybe, you, yeah. Maybe that maybe that Christmas episode about him trying to get his letter to Santa. Yep, that one. Yeah, that it's one a stupid little girl. <laughs> Where's that stupid little girl? Maybe she knows where it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so brilliant. And then you realize how useful that little girl is. I forget her name, but um, uh, Extreme yeah. Ghostbusters. Uh, I don't think that this is the good one. I think this is the one yep. with like. Where anything with extreme in the name gives me pause because yep. it's very '90s. But we, hey, Recess and Pepper Ann super underrated. So it's true. good cartoons all around. Nice. Maybe you're like, ah, oh, those cartoons are okay, but what's playing on in the silver screen? I like me a movies. I'm a movie kind of guy. Uh, this week you could watch Meet Wally Sparks Shadow Conspiracy or waiting for guffman and you're like i haven't heard of those movies because i haven't either you still in theaters could be watching beverly hills ninja metro and the relic and you're like eh, not really feeling it too much if you waited a few weeks you could see dante's peak or vegas vacation okay okay so it's it's not too too bad i was going to start it out it's like oh this is yep. a mixed mixed uh release but it is january so yeah. There's not. There's a very mixed release as it still is today. Like you never know what's gonna get. Sometimes it could be fantastic. Sometimes it could be very. Ew. Um. So, but Beverly Hills Ninja, like, come on, who doesn't love Chris Farley? Yeah. Um. Dante's Peak got Pierce Brosnan running around, and I think that there's a hot tub scene where people die in it. That's always a fun oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Um. And then Vegas Vacation. I love. That's like this is my favorite vacation movie. I know some people prefer Christmas, but. I think I got exposed to Vegas first, so that has that nostalgic factor, which just puts it over the edge. Um, Also, the kid wins a bunch of cars, and me seeing that was like, wow, I wish I could have all those cars. And that might have to do with my obsession about cars. Hmm. Um, And then, just on a side note, Relic is super underrated, worth a watch. Um, Crank your brightness, because unfortunately, it's super dark and hard to see. It's kind of like... Alien vs. Predator 2 kind of levels of dark where you're yeah. like, what's going on? Sucks. But um, it is kind of good, and the creature effects were just hidden behind shadows, and they are good, so yeah, worth yeah. a watch. Nice, nice, nice. How about top video games? Because maybe you're a video game kind of guy. The only game that came out was the original Diablo this month, so kind of a late month, you know? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, hey, that like, is that not the game? The quote was, the game you can play for forever? It's true. Diablo Final Fantasy VII will keep you busy for a very long, long time. So, And then finally, the last maybe deciding factor, if we want to live in this time, are the top three songs, according to the Billboard charts. And I'm really sad that this song will now always be ingrained with our Final Fantasy VII show. I tried to change it. I tried to look at something else, but we couldn't help it because the number three song, according to the charts, was The Macarena by Los Del Rios. Yep. Sucks. Woof. <laughs> but that's the 90s, and hey, it was a thing for a while, and still yeah. pops up from time to time. Oh, well, I guess that's the, 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 the life we live in. But the number two song was No Diggity by Blackstreet. Good Lord, baby, got him open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around. Cover much grounds, got game by the town. Getting paid is a forte. Each and every day, true play away. I can't get her out of my mind. Wow. I think about the girl all the time. Wow, wow. East side to the west 
Yeah, he didn't say no diggity. He didn't say no diggity at all. No, he didn't. But, you know, I like that song. That one, uh, that could be released today and still probably move records. So yep. that one's, that one's uh, pretty timeless as opposed to the Macarena. I only know it because I've seen the ending of Pitch Perfect 1 maybe half a dozen times. I haven't seen the rest of the movie. I just, I've just always seen the ending. Like, it's on TV. I click it on, and we, I'll watch it. And I'm always sad that Pitch Perfect isn't a baseball movie, so it's too bad. Yeah, I keep waiting for the them to get to the outfield, but they just keep singing. Does not happen. And how about the number one song is Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. Nights when I held you beside me Yeah, right. All right, Tony, you got me. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Where are they? Let me, let me find them. Who are they? So now that we know what the cultural landscape, pop culture landscape, looked like around this time, do you want to travel back to January 1st, or 31st, sorry, 1997? I'm going to probably lean no. Yeah, yeah, the, the media is kind of mixed. Um, yep. If... You know, I'm I'm kind of sitting in the middle, so I'm gonna right. put this one in the maybe camp. All right, um, a little bit more on the yes than the no, but All I'm right. still not 100 percent decided. Nice, nice. So that's usually how our number shows start off. Uh, like I said, that's the only Wayback Machine we're going to be doing for Final Fantasy VII. So there, it's kind of done, out of the way. We had to stay true to our roots as we went down these new avenues and explored this game franchise so what we're going to do the rest of today is we're going to dive right into our let's play level notes section where uh other stuff uh, controls we don't really need to do controls they're pretty standard rpg controls uh we can t- talk about more game mechanics as they pop up throughout the game uh development t- details will be coming and first memories maybe we'll talk about next week too uh but we'll leave that for today um just because we do have a lot to get through all right ready i'm ready all right, so we can dive right into the story, and I don't think, because there's no story written up in the game manual, I'm just going to read it rather than having announcer guy do it. So, you are a mercenary hired by an eco-terrorist group called Avalanche. Your current job is to take down a Mako reactor run by the evil company, Shinra. Yeah, and cutscene and start. Nice. Nice. So onto our level notes or let's play section. If you have never played this game and you're interested in older video games or just RPGs in general, I highly recommend grabbing a copy of this game. It's on Switch. It's on Xbox. Maybe it's on PlayStation. Uh, Download it. Maybe get an older version. Play through it. Uh, It's definitely going to be worth it. Um, just the way I'm playing it right now, I'm playing it on my Switch, which means it's on the go, as well as there's modifiers on the new digital releases of it, where you can have um, in, like instant health, uh, unlimited limit breaks, uh, times three speed, and no enemy encounters. Uh, and for a first-time gamer, or if you haven't played this game in a while and you're like over-encumbered by uh, random encounters, those things help out a lot. And Tyson, I believe you're playing in the exact same manner. Yeah, well, I was, uh, we were kind of planning this out for a while, so when I saw it was on sale on around Boxing Day, I just grabbed it for, I think it was like, like 8 or $10, it was super cheap. Um, Smart. And I didn't realize that there was all the modifiers, but then I remember you saying something about the modifiers, so I decided to like clicking around the buttons, and the nice thing about the modifiers is you can choose, like, 
if you want random encounters, you can keep them on. Yep. Or if you want the infinite limit breaks, you can turn them on and off. Or if you yeah. want th- times three speed, you can keep that on and off. So, like, I generally rock the th- times three speed and limit yep. breaks, and it's just like, I don't mind random encounters because I'm just always killing things. It's not instantly with limit breaks. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you kind might... of grind out some, uh, some experience as well. I might start taking off my uh, infinite health and stuff on bosses because I think bosses are definitely a little more interesting than just random encounters. Uh, but the the infinite health just kind of helps you progress through the dungeons a little faster, you know. Yeah, and you're not. And the times to... three speed definitely makes grinding and leveling up easier. So. Yeah, and sometimes just the um, pace of combat because we're used to basically almost instant combat. Yeah. The times three speed, because I was like, why times three? Why not times two or 1.5 or something different? But yeah. because it's times three, it feels really modern. It feels like basically yeah. you're instantly like clicking through the game always. So I think nice. that if you... Some of the problems with retro games and you not having firsthand experience with them when they first were going back and experiencing them, you can kind of be like, man, this is slow. This is really hard to just maneuver and i don't want to wait around for five minutes like we're in a pretty instant society our time to wait is is a lot lower than it was when we were kids and in 97 that was like time to wait was like oh yeah i got all day but nowadays we i usually have a youtube video up or i'm like texting people while i'm playing the game or i'm watching a movie so it's nice that it's portable and on the switch and that it gives you the ability to kind of speed it along because if you just even keep like times three speed on and just turn off your like limit breaks and kind of like play the game, I tend to turn off like times three speed for like important battles where I know I don't want to mess up something up or if I know like an enemy boss has a counter. But uh, I guess that can we can kind of get into it. Sweet, sweet, yo. So on the intro. So we are graced by a close-up of Eris' face, and we pull back to reveal the bustling streets of Midgar. Uh, and then finally, the music crescendos as we see the glory of Midgar, the area we're only going to explore ever in this game. Uh, we then slowly cut into intersplay shots of a train. We see our hero's face, and the game begins. We front flip off a train, we fight some guards, reveal our name, and make our way into the reactor core with Barrett, which leads us to our first boss, the Guardian or the guard scorpion. Give him everything you got, but don't attack when his tail is up, or he will counterattack. I wonder if that'll come into play later. Hmm? So that's kind of the first Mako reactor of this game. Yeah, um, very cool entrance. Basically, it's a we discussed this earlier, and it's a basically it's a cold open in a game. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of James Bond, so anytime you can do a cold open and get straight into the action with you know, in a video game, you kind of have to introduce your characters, but you want to yeah. keep a really clip-clip pace. And I'm thinking that maybe it's one, two, three, four, five, six scenes or seven scenes until you're basically at the boss, which is like eight turns of a page and you're there. That's super quick. Yeah. Um, so really well done on their part. They keep the pace um, pinned right out of the gate, and that's exciting and yeah. gets you hooked. Yeah, and I think just the scale of this game is shown in full display. Uh, the awesome CGI cutscene uh, to epic score right off the beginning uh, is just something you haven't seen before. Uh, and, and moving from the 16-bit era this on the Super Nintendo to the 32-bit or 64-bit or whatever, I don't know what the PlayStation was exactly, uh, but these full 3D rendered games uh, was so cool. Everything just feels bigger. Uh, the first mandatory fight 
you start out and you have 300 health and you do about 40 damage. So normally you'd start at level one, you'd have about 30 health and you'd do four damage to like an imp or something like that. But now all they did was literally add a zero onto everything and it just makes it seem so much greater, right? Uh, the enemies do anywhere from 10 to 20 health damage, which is the same as one or two, just like in an old old Final Fantasy, but they tricked you by adding a zero to make you think it's better. And uh, as I noted to Tyson a couple weeks ago, because we've been talking about this for a while now, uh, you poetically start at level six. And after that first mandatory battle that you can't lose, you grow to level seven. seven. I know. Smart. See, the game's doing stuff that your brain didn't realize, but like, it's kind of neat. Yeah. And that's something that me and Mick have been like kind of gushing about. And every time we've recorded before, because we've been kind of playing this uh, as we've been recording some other shows, we, we end up just end up gushing about this game for like 20 some odd minutes and just kind of like diving into it because playing it once and now being able to go back and replay it and we know this game so much because we spent so many hours as kids and replayed it and started new files and i've picked this game up periodically so i just i i like we know this game so well but i don't know what it is about this playthrough and just being able to kind of like analyze it at a different different level and starting to realize all the subtleties that they've they've been guiding you along like this is such a strong game and it just shows how um top of their game uh squaresoft was at this point because they're just like this is incredible like modern games don't have this kind of thought and intricacy put into it so they sure do not. They sure do not. So on to the next part, the escape slash Sector 7 slum. So after planting a bomb, we have six minutes to escape. Don't forget about Jesse, because I might have had to do that run back into the reactor to save her. Oops. We run into Eris on the streets. We can buy a flower. We can fight some guards before jumping on a train. We then make our way back to the slums, visit Barrett's bar, 7th Heaven, and are talked into staying by our childhood friend Tifa. And if you really want, you can do a really boring materia tutorial. Yes, um, and kind of be rude to Barrett if you skip it. So, yeah, I don't want to go on a date with him, anyways. You know. Yeah, I know. I, I uh, well, that's 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 why you got to buy that flower, kids. This you got to be strategic about who who you're trying to date in this game. Well, go on a date with. I wouldn't yeah. say it's like Mass Effect or yeah. Dragon Age, where you can basically get in a relationship with people. Um, where this you just kind of get on uh you get to pick maybe who who you get to go on a special night and i just think it's funny that off the bat all three of the characters are introduced that you can go on on a date with so yeah spectacular sweet uh so myself i found that this part uh just the slums felt very lived in uh the glamour of the upper plate can be kind of felt in the beginning of the game whereas the poverty and survival can be seen as you travel around these makeshift towns people are living in uh crappy little huts that look like this just scrap metal that's put together they're living in old makeshift campers and stuff like that uh and i feel like the biggest and i mean i'm now judging a game that hasn't come out but in the remake i really don't think they can um achieve this aspect again uh being able to create this lived in feel it's kind of i've heard it described as star wars right why does the original star wars work so well because people live there right like you understand that the tunnels in hoth um have existed for more than just this movie set um and that's really what this game does well is these worlds are lived in so well uh and people survive and have to make do in this world um and i don't know if new pretty games can create the same atmosphere as these pre-rendered backgrounds did yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they handle it. But um, yeah, some of these, 
shacks in some of these like just like little statues or even bloody swing sets in a park it's yep. it, it can be very memorable and um moving because you yeah. can see you can see how um poor these people are and why they're acting the way they are so when you start the game you just blow stuff up i'm a, I'm a video game character and then you realize yep. well like why are they blowing stuff up and it's kind of like upbeat and then downbeat and it's very like it's uh man the writing of this this game may not be like this the the dialogue may not be top notch but i think that the scene by scene what you're being told is absolutely next level and i think that most game most games struggle with that and it's so easy to copy and paste room 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 where i think that everything you come across has an importance and not many games get thought out by just every every uh every room you're in makes a difference and actually has some character to it so it's true it's a lot of fun just going around and exploring and talking to everybody right it's one of those things where you do want to be able to talk to everyone because they all have quirky little personalities but after that though we head on to the sector five reactor so we have to escape a train since we are detected we make our way into the reactor from the back door after planting the bomb there is no boss fight weird and as it's as we escape it turns out it was a trap the whole time we have to fight the boss Airbuster. we fight him from both sides of the battle or the battlefield afterwards he explodes and cloud falls into the slums below oh no so kind of classic heist gone wrong uh it's very cinematic right uh we go into the reactor uh in the first one and everything goes as planned and then all of a sudden in the second one there's full of errors uh and it's exactly like if you've seen the movie baby driver it's exactly they show you a heist that goes well and then what if it doesn't go well um so it's kind of cute that they're taking their cues from the cinema for kind of the opening of this game yes and it's uh very the pacing again like upbeat like action-packed uh high scene or like infiltration explosion terrorist uh kind of event and then you kind of get this or you go to the slums meet everybody kind of get this solemn where everybody where these people are from and then immediately you're right back in the action as soon as you wake up the next day and and it almost feels like sorry it almost feels like the game could just be you're going to destroy all the mako reactors right like each one is going to be a little bit different from the last and it's gonna be a little bit more a little more harder and it isn't until the president of Shinra comes out and says, I know it was you guys all along. Uh, damn you, terrorists. That you're like, oh, they're on to us. Like, what is this game going to be? You know, so it kind of changes your expectations a little bit, right? So Yeah, and I mean, we're kind of spoiled by being able to go back and, or, and replay this knowing the full story. But if you yep. approach it at just like your first time through the game... And I, I keep trying to keep that in my in the back of my mind. And you're absolutely right. Like you're kind of like, what are we doing? Okay, we're we're blowing up these things because the, the corporations are bad. Cool. And then immediately you kind of get thrown for a twist. Like, oh, we are so oh, like a, like uh, we're such a like a fly compared to this huge corporation. We yeah. have a lot of work to do. Yeah. So um, it's it's neat the way they set that up as like you're kind of even just progressing. So nice. Yeah. Nice, I like nice. the way the story unfolds. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's very well done, especially in these early parts of the game. Uh, so we meet Eris, Sector Seven, Sector <coughs> Seven Destruction. So we re meet the Flower Girl from the beginning. She asks us to be her bodyguard. We take her home, sneak out, get caught. She reminds us of someone, and we see Tifa being taken to Don Cornello's palace. We dress and drag, sneak in, confront the Don, fight a boss. Apps 
fight through the sewers and rejoin Avalanche as the destruction of the Sector 7 plate occurs. Uh, we fight a boss, Reno of the Turks, before we make a cinematic escape. So a lot to take in there. Uh, so I kind of broke it into the three key parts that we can talk about there. So uh, relationship with Eris, you know. Um, I guess we could just talk about that for a second. Uh, once you kind of know like the ending and the backstory of Eris and her relationship with other people, uh, you can kind of pick up on subtle little hints. Um, I think it's done quite well in this game, you know? Yeah, and I think that as a kid, I was so young when we played this, I didn't really pick up on a lot of the little things. Um, yeah. And once you know the whole story, you can kind of like, you know, it is kind of... It, 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 these characters are kind of intertwined, but yeah. also kind of like have this distant gap between them. And yeah, she keeps hinting that Cloud reminds her of an old boyfriend or something like that. And she makes little comments like, huh, just like him. Oh, that's weird. He told a story just like that. Hmm. Yeah. And as like a new person in this world, you kind of have this, you are told that you have this past with one character and then you get introduced to another and you end up kind of having a really romantic uh, adventure and you kind of intertwine a lot of their, their lives together. And yeah. you kind of have this immediate chemistry with, and like the characters can pick up on it. Like you and Tifa don't really have a chemistry. Whereas no. um, cloud and Eris almost immediately have like this interplay and they get along really well. And you kind of like, yeah. Oh, these guys, these kind of, they're really cute together. I kind of hope that they work out. Um, yeah. And well, they I'm... start planting those seeds right out right away. Yeah. And building, Eris into being very charismatic right off the start and clicking with Cloud and having kind of a sassy relationship, right? Um, when you dress up in drag, she picks the sexiest dress, right? She's not just kind of the damsel in distress. She has a really good personality. Apparently, it's much more fleshed out in the Japanese version where uh, she used to be kind of sassy in the comic relief, where so she's played up a little bit more as the the like love interest, the, the innocent angel in this game. But uh, like even she... When you're confronting the Dawn, uh, you're all like, we're going to beat you up. And she's like, I'll rip your fucking dick off. Not in those terms, but she kind of jumps there right away, you know. So you kind of understand, oh, this girl, like, knows her way around human anatomy, you know. Like, she's been out around the track once or twice, so. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of get that she's, she's kind of got, like, a really quick wit to her. Yeah. Um, and even when you try to, like, as Cloud, you try to sneak away in the middle of the night. And she keeps going, go to bed. What are you doing? Yeah. And then you you get to basically where you're supposed to go. And she's like, oh, you're up early. And yeah. she's like, like, just standing there waiting for you. Like, she knew what was going on the whole time. The whole time, uh, yeah. Um, and, and you're like you said, it's funny because, like, Cloud and Tifa, like, being the, the two uh, eco-terrorists, like, the people trying to, like, our heroes so far, like, yeah, I'll punch it. And they're like, yeah, we'll smash it. And then she's like, no, let's rip it off. Yeah. <laughs> so she's she's got this really, like, uh, quick wit. And she's hilarious. And she has, like, so many good lines. And even, like, her just movement of, like, wait up. Huh. Yeah. And just, like, her little jumps kind of just... She has such so, so much character. And I think that she and Cloud are... Like, Cloud doesn't really have a lot to go off of. Because you have to... Yeah develop that over the story but Eris right away you you know her like you know her character and you can relate to her and you can you can just like you could you could see more of her than any other character so yeah. far well, and I think and they had to build that in early on and you had to develop a relationship with her off jump street because 
it needs to have certain beats throughout the story as it goes on, right? So then we have Cloud dress up in drag. Uh, so you have to go around the Sector 5 slums, I believe. Six slums? Uh, and you have to get like a wig and a dress and some perfume. And there's, uh, you can make it really quick. You can do two things and then leave, uh, which is going to get you a bad ending, which makes it more difficult for fighting. Uh, or you can collect all the really good items. Uh, and it's just going to show you that this game's going to involve a lot more on its side missions than just. Uh, like one or two uh, fight someone grab an item fight someone it's going to be a little bit more involved right so it's kind of neat yeah and i think that the way that they're getting you involved is making you have to interact with the world and get to know each of these characters like you get to realize that the girl at the gym that was just checking her hair it's actually the boss and like is a complete badass um so yeah there's there's a lot of neat things going on and i think this game just has so much um, going on that you can take it as little or as much as you want, and um, it's just there for you to go through it. They're not gonna they're not gonna slap you on the wrist for doing something you, the way you do it, but yeah. you you can there's always options of uh, different ways of doing things. Which is well, nice. and it adds a little bit of re- replayability because the way I did it, I ended up getting the bad ending. I had to fight a bunch of goons before I found Eris. I think he picked. Uh, Don Cornell picked Eris over me uh, but you can get to the point where you're prettier than her right if you have all the right items and you get picked uh, which gives you a different experience so just being able to replace through some of the game I'm very curious though how they're going to handle the cross-dressing scene in the remake yeah this this like, remake has like there's like this is game... it going to be tongue-in-cheek right like you put a dress on and that's it because this one you have to find sexy panties you need uh deodorants you have to smell good you need a wig um so are they gonna treat it respectfully or are they gonna like really lean into maybe a disrespectful um hurtful kind of realm more of a cross set especially since our society is a little bit more open to cross-dressing right like drag queens uh, are a little bit more common so i'm curious how the the remake is going to handle that so yeah um and it's this game now you can, i can totally see why we've been asking for since this game since the launch of the ps3 for this game to be redone and remade and so you really just want cloud and drag that's what we're really into we're like oh, i've seen those no, videos on 4chan oh yeah it's hot no what i'm saying is um going back and reflecting on like playing this you're like how the heck do you modernize all these things yeah um because this game is so of its time, and it's, uh, and honestly, like, I'm even interested to see how they handle the Genova creatures. Like, yeah. this game has so much that they can mess up if you modernize it the wrong way. So, yeah. man, there's there's tons of landmines, and, and the cloud drag thing, that, that'll, that'll be an interesting one. I didn't even think of that. Yep. And then finally, the last thing is the Sector 7 plate. So we get back to Sector 7, the place where we started initially, where 7th Heaven, Barrett's Bar is. We meet Tifa. Uh, You have to fight your way up. You see the other members of Avalanche, Biggs, Widge, and Jesse, all kind of incapacitated as you make it to the top platform, uh, re-find Barrett and Tifa. And then the bombs are exploded. You can't stop them. And the whole plate falls and destroys a one-eighth the population of this city. Uh, it's devastating, you know. Uh, I figure there's probably about 90% of the population lives in the slums, you know. Uh, it's kind of one of those snow piercer where the richer people live up top, the, the, the bigger population, the poor people live below. So that's a huge loss. It kind of hurts. Um, so even if you figure there is, what, 8,000 people that live in Midgar a thousand per section that 10 percent rule that means 
about 900 people were killed just like that because Shinra wanted to make you look like the bad guys, you know? How despicable. Yeah, it really shows that Shinra's willing to go to very extreme measures just to get what they want and to put things out of... uh, To, like, just, like, really stomp you down. So right away, you're, like, you cannot... Like, how are you going to overthrow these people? Like, these guys are horrible monsters that have all the power and are willing to just throw ever like countless um care like like civilian lives away just because yeah. they don't like you. So yeah. it's it's really setting up a pretty uh pretty hardcore baddie right away. Yeah. So then after that, so after surviving, we learn that Marlene is okay. We make our way through the wall market to the upper plate. Once at Shinra headquarters, you can run up the stairs or bust in the front door. Either way, you have to pass by some guards, find some keys, answer a quiz, and follow Hojo to his lab. Here we find out that he has plans to breed Red 13 with Eris, and we step in. We fight boss. Sample HO512. And after that, uh, we after uh, the, after this fight, we are caught by the Turks and thrown into prison. Oh no! Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So the uh, the invasion of the headquarters didn't quite go as planned, but we, hey, nope. we got a new uh, new companion. Yep. And he's a dog that can talk, which is yep. pretty cool. I've always so, wanted Scooby Doo as my friend. So yeah, but this is Scooby Doo with like a fire tail, so that's even it's cooler. True. Much better. Nice. Much better. Uh, I think the platform, the timed events on the platform as you're climbing up uh, the to get to the Shinra HQ sucks. Uh, and Shinra HQ, it's weird because there's lots of unexplored areas of Shinra HQ. Basically, there's stairs or an elevator which takes you up the first 50 floors or 60 floors. And then between 60 and 10 are designed levels that you could kind of run around. Uh, they seem very explorable. I feel like I lot like back in the day couldn't figure it out i still can't figure it out uh how to get all the treasure chests how to get through all the little areas i think you can come back later on in the game uh and do a wrap up and kind of collect everything uh but it just kind of shows you how involved how lived in the worlds how deep some of these dungeons might be you know yeah and if you want to basically just skim through and just stick to the the plot points you can really yep. make it quick but like uh if you want to explore man there's a lot to explore yeah so this game this game has so much love and effort put into it whereas it's like if this compare this to a modern game where it's basically like a corridor that you have to run down for you to be able to like explore a huge building like this and and talk to all these different npcs that have actual dialogue is is very very uh very well done well, and I think, like, like I was thinking about that, actually, because new games, they would create a whole corridor, a whole corridor they have to create uh, in a 3D world uh, and have your character interact with it. With, whereas with this game, what they did was they made pre-rendered backgrounds. So they would make a floor, uh, and then they would create a little polygon version of yourself that ran around and it would just um, scale so if it was closer if it wanted you to be closer to the screen for depth it would make it taller and as you ran away it would just shrink Um, and then that way basically you're just running around on paintings the whole time and interacting with just paintings in the overworld which means they could spend assets elsewhere and that's why i think this game is able to seem so big because lots of the front loaded uh development stuff like programming was pretty simple right it's just uh make this painting do this put a door there out the door opens right make these walls um so i think that simpler design on their part made the game seem more intricate versus a new game which everything has to be intricate right so 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that, that was kind of the beauty of Final Fantasy VII and those pre-rendered back uh, backgrounds was you could you could make these games so big um, yeah. and you could have such what seemed like scale, but in all reality, like what you're actually doing is moving like essentially a little character around on, on one layer with a background layer that's just yeah. for the visual effect. And, yep. and it's a really neat way of that's doing a, it but yeah, it's um, a fun jump between th- 2d and 3d right oh 100 100 um but yeah like so cool and i can't believe we already got caught because like i mean how are we yep. gonna beat these bad guys i don't know i don't know so we're now in prison but we wake up to find out that our prison door is open and death is on the air we uh l- rescue the rest of avalanche we follow a trail of blood from genova's cell to the president's desk where he has been killed by a giant sword his son arrives and we have to split up and fight some bosses so one party which typically is not tifa or cloud so it's red 13 eris and barrett you have to fight 100 gunner and heli gunner on an elevator um this is probably the most difficult fight in the game i remember back in the day it took me one or two attempts just because my characters uh weren't set up a hundred percent uh and then we go back to cloud and he fights uh he fights rufish shinra he isn't bad and now the party can escape shinra headquarters via a truck and motorcycle uh we have to keep the other motorcycles away from us as we fight on the truck through the streets of shinra or midgar till we reach the edge of the city where we fight the final boss at least of this section motorball give him all he got and then afterwards we make our way down a crane make a party of three and agree to meet in calm Whew, that was a lot to take in there yeah it's kind of really cool that i kind of like to think of this is like a good chapter um yeah in the story and this is kind of like maybe even like i, w- I don't want to say first act because there's this game is huge yeah and i think that uh the acts are, aren't something that you can kind of put it in but it's well, nice it's, that this has kind of the crescendo and the end of like the yeah. shinra's the bad guy arc and you kind of get exposed to whoa there's this uh there's a whole lot more going on in this world because are the guy that we we're just putting on that put us on the back foot every step of the way is now dead yeah. when we were in literally in his prison so, yeah. so I, I, I jumped through that a little bit. So if we just go back and break that down a little bit. Uh, so we escaped through prison. Uh, it's weird because now the this once thriving headquarters is kind of dead. And we find who we think is the main bad guy in the game is dead, right? He's been killed. And you're like, huh, interesting. So again, you uh, subverts your expectations a little bit of what this adventure is going to ultimately be. Uh, the bosses, the three bosses you fight, nothing super ch- stands out with any of them. Yeah, no, like, I mean, I, they're difficult bosses as they are. Like, it's kind of neat beating Rufus and his dog slash cat yeah. thingy. Um, and I mean, that the Heligunner and, and uh, 100 Gunner and Heligunner are, are really hard because unless you have distant attacks, so unless everybody has magic or, yeah. like, unless, like, Red 13 and Eris have magic, you're basically down to just using Barret to shoot. Yeah. So, which is kind of hard especially because you're like i haven't even really used eris in many battles i used her on like what one trip with cloud and i used i I had two three battles maybe with red 13 in its entirety so yeah it's it kind of throws you right for a loop right off the bat um but if you have good materia and and health potions it's not too bad or limit breaks 
Yeah, fair enough. And then as we as you escape the building, uh, you get to see a very cool CGI cutscene of the party jumping into a truck. Uh, you're on a motorcycle, and then you have to drive through the streets, fight away other motorcycles. At times three, it was kind of difficult. If you turn times three off, I don't think it was that hard whatsoever. Um, but it was kind of a cool little scene. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, well, now what? We've escaped the Shinra. Like, once you get out of Midgar, you're like, holy crap, there's a whole world? This is one of those things that broke children's brains back in the day, you know? Uh, it seems like it was a climax. The bad guy was killed. We escaped. Now you're kind of like, well, now what, you know? Uh, yeah. It's a great introduction to the game's actual villain. Uh, and other games don't do that. Lots of games start out and be like, this guy's the bad guy right away. But I think the fact they t- gave it time and they knew that how s- cool Sapiroth was would uh, be able to survive uh, is a really interesting way of how to wrap up this first section of the game. Maybe the first 10 hours or so, you know? Yeah, and I think that this is a good um, cap on what's happened so far because basically we're left wondering with our characters of, yeah, well, what, where, what are we going? Where are we going kind of with this story? And, and like... How are we gonna like kill the Sapiroth guy and like how are we gonna save the planet if we can't even beat the guys that didn't even last one night with one guy? Yeah. Um, so it, it sets it up and um I, I really like the way it's done. It's very breakness. It introduces you to the world, introduces you to the character, gives a lot of um interactive and play between who these characters are and what's their uh, where they're kinda going. And leaves you wondering with some people and leaves you wondering about the world. So a game that can introduce all the characters and and make you wonder about what's to come and make you want to just, I got to get to calm and see where we're going, I think is that's a really, really strong opening to a game. And and that's one thing that maybe is one of the strongest parts of this game, if not one of the strongest strongest openings to most games. Yeah, Yeah, right. Well, it's the same as collect three pendants, get the master sword oh no, you're going to be an adult now in Ocarina of Time, right? It's very much kind of that uh, mid-first, third twist or something like that, like the first quarter of the game. Now you go and you're like, holy, my mind is blown, right? So they used to do that quite well uh, back in the day with video games, right? I don't think they do that as much now with video games, so. Yeah, no, or if they, if there is a big twist, it's kind of at the end, like yeah. um yeah that's every, every video game loves the twist. Like, you were the bad guy the whole time, right? So... Yeah, yeah. But I think that this game basically is scripted very much like a... It has the the scale of a movie, but it is broken up into almost like series of a TV show, which is... Yeah, it's like a good miniseries or something. Yeah, exactly. So it it plays plays very interestingly, and I think the way it's presented is so strongly that... um, Now I I can 100% see why this is my favorite, because like, man, this game... I don't know many games that, that have this kind of strong opening and can get me hooked again. So. Yeah. Nice. So that was a lot to get through the first game. Uh, essentially, the next couple, uh, every week, every episode, I guess every month, uh, we're just going to play through a different chunk of the game, talk about it. Probably not as in-depth. There was a lot we had to get through there between kind of the CGI cutscenes and the, the story 
um, the scaling, kind of how the game was d- designed. So that's probably going to be one of our longest walkthrough sections. Uh, but tune in in about a month's time. Yeah, about four weeks. Uh, and we'll get through the next part of the game. You'll see how we break it down. So uh, hopefully we're going at a good pace and everyone's like, oh, that was enjoyable. And finally, what we have for you today is we're going to look at a character study. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the individual characters of the story and just talk about them. Today we're going to be looking at Cloud. He's probably one of the biggest, one of the three biggest in the game anyways. So this is probably one of the longer ones. We'll see how this works. This one might change a little bit. Uh, Tyson, I don't know if he has if he hasn't read through these notes. He's going to be experiencing this for the first time too. So here we go. Our final character study on Cloud, and then we're wrapped up for part one of Final Fantasy VII. Start with his backstory. So a young man, he grew up in the mountainside town of Nibelheim. He dreamed of becoming a first-class soldier just like Sephiroth. After leaving his home at a young age, he joined soldier, but his body didn't handle the Mako injections well enough to make him up make it past the grunt stage during one fateful mission he accompanies sapiroth back to his hometown they dis- dissolve a situation at the mountain's reactor and in the ensuing chaos ends up throwing sapiroth into the life stream miraculously he survives the tragedy recovers at the shinra mansion in nibelheim before making his way back to midgar here he works for a gun for hire before eventually joining avalanche How's that for the backstory of Cloud? Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. He... I kept it as spoiler-free as possible. You really did. You really did. And I think that maybe we should keep that up going into the uh, where we go with this. So I'll keep it brief. I think Great. that um, it's very interesting that kind of like you, your main character's hero and the person who he's kind of modeled his life after is kind of turning out to be the villain. Yep. Um, it's because you don't really expect him to be the villain, but then as you get to know Cloud, you get to know who the true villain is. So it's uh, very cool. And I think that, um, I don't know what it is about Boys with Swords, but uh, that was apparently really, really popular at this time. So Let's find out. Maybe we have something more about that in the note. So we start out with the anatomy of the character. So that'll be one of the other sections. Anatomy of a character. So Tyson, what is the number one defining character or characteristic of cloud his spiky hair or is that what you actually believe or is it the other thing Nah, nah. it's probably it's probably the sword man like you all see right that sword you think cloud all right so i had two options tyson was just being a good boy and reading the notes so on the sword so cloud carries around a buster blade which is a six foot long sword cloud is like five nine it is taller than him it is a giant sword that's great uh it is a physical manifestation of the owner's potential power The villain will sometimes own a big sword as well, representing a significant hurdle or challenge the protagonist has to overcome. Now, this is an ancient trope. Uh, Oversized, unrealistic swords aren't unheard of in medieval or early fiction, poetry, or artwork. To make matters more confusing, most societies employing swords would also have huge ceremonial swords for display, which layman's uh, or later of later periods often mistook as actual war tools. So there's a history on where the giant sword came from. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I didn't realize it was an old trope. I was, yep. didn't really knew where it came from. I have always known that well, swords you, have been around for a very, very long time. It was one of, it was one of the most defining weapons of humankind. Yeah. Well, especially um, big swords right like you think about the lord of the rings they have those giant kings and statues and they stand with these giant swords and that's just represent look how big my sword is that's not actually how big their sword was though right 
Right, right. Um, and but it's also those things where you know you weren't there on the battlefield, so you don't actually know the size yep. of what they they rolled in. So it's kind of almost a way of bolstering um, their image and making that ego even bigger. So it's it's interesting yep. that it was almost uh, a um, extension of um, the person's ego and trying to make them feel and embody that power that um, they have underneath. Which is very, or maybe they're just cool. making up for something, you know? Uh, yeah, maybe they're just know, making totally. up for something. Hmm. Okay. Tyson's other answer was his spiky blonde hair. So, spiky blonde hair is often associated with a punk rock subculture, and in fiction, it is used to show that the character is wild and cool, as well as being a badass. With while spiky hair is prominent in real life, fictional characters are almost always shown with perfectly spiked hair, despite the fact that it would get flattened while they're in bed. Uh, this is usually a typical male haircut, although it is somewhat fashionable for women to have spiky hairstyles. It rose to prominence through Cloud, Supersonic, and the Super Saiyan transformation in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. So I'd say those are probably the two biggest defining factors that make Cloud Cloud. Uh, and then uh, just overall appearance. Uh, he's dressed in leather armor. He rides a motorcycle. Cloud was meant to be cool. He is a prototypical 90s cool guy from his look to his lay affair attitude uh, and his mysterious past, which players must uncover uh, to get a real deeper understanding of this character. Yeah, very, very typical 90s. But I think he's kind of evolved into a still a very timeless look yep. um but i that that purple jumpsuit with a big sword and spiky hair is very very uh striking nothing like a purple jumpsuit you know purple yeah. jumpsuit so our next section after we kind of look at the character's appearance we're gonna look at their archetype so what are they based on so i ask what is his class and i came up with two answers probably he's a fighter uh and the fighter is an adept warrior who fights using skill strategy and tactics similar character classes are paladin ranger barbarian and cavalier fighter was one of the three classes in the original dungeons and dragons game called fighting man the other two were magic user and cleric so would you agree with that he's a fighter yeah he's um has a high physical damage yeah he's um not super tanky um doesn't have high high defense but moderate defense as opposed to more squishy characters yeah. But yeah, he's I, I, yeah he's your typical fighter. He's your big guy that you can just hit attack on and not worry about him. Whereas the other characters, like maybe you might want to use like some magic or yeah something else. Okay, nice. Or I call them what a hero class. Um, so not a traditional class, but Cloud represents the player's avatar. As you play the game, you grow alongside Cloud. You uh wouldn't call I uh, you call him the chosen one where he seems destined to overcome the ultimate evil the story weirdly revolves around him his loss is your loss and when he leaves your party you keep playing to get him back because ultimately he is a reflection of you yeah you know um that is very interesting that you would call like a hero a class because in well you think about every other uh, maybe not eight so much but like nine ten thirteen. Oh. All the heroes can kind of be more damage user. You can make them a little bit more. I don't know why, but you could make them more healy. I yep. usually, actually, I used to always play with Cloud having cure as well as somebody else having cure. So I kind of did make him a jack of all trades, and then make sure that he has like lightning and ice and all that and fire and all that kind of good stuff. So 
yeah, he's kind of my my jack of all trades and and power of one. So, um, nice. yeah, I guess you're you're probably right on that one. He he might be a hero in a, a more broad class sense. Nice, nice. And then finally, the last thing we'll do in our character studies, we're just going to look at the cultural impact slash influences. So according to GameFAQ's character battles, Cloud, he won character battle number two. He has four second place finishes. And then side note, Final Fantasy VII won best game ever uh, in the tournament that happened in the spring of 2004. So do you remember GameFAQ character battles? That was one of those things I was like, that brings me back in the day, you know? Yeah, I remember going on, and you could vote every single day. Yep. Yeah, good times, good times. Uh, he was I also play- part of the uh, cloud voting. So, I think he lost to Link. Link lost or won a lot, uh, and I definitely remember being probably a Link fanboy. So I'm probably why Link won so much. There you go. Yeah, and I think even Sapiroth has one or two, doesn't he? Or I know he has some second places. Yes. Uh, I don't know if Sephiroth won an end one. Maybe he beat Sephiroth in the one that he played, which was kind of fitting that he has to fight the ultimate villain in his own game. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he was a playable character in Smash Brothers 4 Wii U. Uh, he's seen in the Kingdom Hearts series as well as Final Fantasy Tactics. And I would think he is one of gaming's most iconic characters. Yes, he is also in the Smash Brothers Ultimate, which is very, very irritating mm-hmm. because there's so many Dark Sword Boys in that game. Yeah, there so, are. That's from that's where that term comes from. If everybody's wondering, it's the Smash Brothers community. So nice, sweet, awesome. So with that, that kind of wraps up our first part of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed kind of our retrospective, our kind of our look back, our take on it. Um, we'll be back in, I guess, four weeks. I think it's just kind of the way it works. We'll do a numbered show, so kind of look at other video games. Then we'll come back to Final Fantasy every other show. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back into it. I've stopped literally up and I think I walked over to the Midgar Zolum Swamp, tried to fight this big snake that's like super hard. Couldn't beat it even with my cheats. And that's kind of where I stopped. So I'm excited to pick up the game again, maybe play through it a little bit later today uh, and just kind of keep popping out this content. Should be good stuff. Yes, I am also in the exact same spot, but I've caught my first chocobo and ran to the other side of the swamp, so uh, now I can progress. So. Nice. So Tyson's just, I can see Tyson, he's just on the other side of the swamp, and I yell out to him and I say, hello! And I say, I flip him off and I get off my hey. chocobo. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize you were RPing as Barrett. that's weird. Yeah, huh. well, I figured that you're more Cloud, and I've always been more of a Barrett character, so... Okay. I'd like to I'd, I'd like to consider myself a red 13 but I'm not that cool I'm more of a yeah. parrot no one's that cool sweet awesome so with that uh, that kind of ends that we uh, again we're gonna come back to the series we'll see you guys in a little bit uh, if you have any feedback if you're listening to this for the first time uh, hit us up email us you can t- contact us at podtendo at gmail.com uh, we're on twitter uh, search out podtendo get a hold of us there we'll probably be in touch if you do try to reach out actually on instagram too i, I talked to a lot of fans on instagram so if you check us out uh we're on podtendo all of those things it's good times you know good times looking forward to diving back into this game just keep on rolling so yes and i'm so happy that because man this game i think uh that the final episode of this game might just be me gushing for an hour so i'm sorry everybody but this game is so much fun and i'm happy that we get to play through this game in its entirety and bite-sized pieces cool cool yo yeah can you imagine doing this game as just trying as one regular show maybe two shows or something like that it'd be like very consuming yeah and i think that we would have to i wouldn't be able to talk so much because i tend to ramble Yeah. yeah 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 anyways all right bye bye
Bye.